0: plushcare.com slash weight loss Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History
1: Oh, Dan. Hello, Bernie. What are we supposed to be talking about today?
0: The 30s.
1: Oh, the 30s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the humanity. The <laughs> Hindenburg explodes in midair. Nazis win elections. And Adolf Hitler is appointed chancellor of Germany. That could never happen again, right? And prohibition is repealed in the US. People can legally drink again. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe you meant the 2030s maybe by then we'll be able to legally use cannabis and peace will fall all over the world when everyone in the united states is high
0: <laughs> that would be great right that, but this is the 630s
1: bc well wow, that's a long time ago
0: yeah i know but it really is It's funny when you tell people yes i do a podcast what's it on oh the 600s bc right now oh that's very
1: nice <laughs> So yeah, this is a time of action. It's a very important time.
0: It really is. The whole six hundreds are, and I've been looking forward. We we've, we've been on a hiatus for like what, like a, almost a year that we've been doing the the decade. So I'm, I'm excited about this. I've actually been been listening to a lot of ABBA lately since they have a new album. And my and my time up to like my recording here, put you here. So give me give me some more
1: Asher bannapal You know, one of the new songs was "Keep an Eye on Dan." No, really? Uh, it's one of the new songs.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's about you as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye on me and see if it, it's about me. The reunification of ABBA is, uh, as it is the most famous Swedish band of all time. So it has been a rumor for, for 40 years in Sweden. I've heard about this all my life. And then it finally happened.
0: That's like It was like Guns N' Roses here, but not quite as long. And um, I noticed they. I saw some video. Or I saw some article or something. They were wearing like these lighted costumes or something. Did they make like a really cool video? I think with lighted costumes on or something.
1: I think they're using avatars.
0: Ah, uh, oh yeah. So they made have like made avatars out of. The, that was the probably how they scanned themselves or something.
1: So Agneta is still hot.
0: They, I don't know. Were they the pictures I saw? They were. I was you know. I don't know. They were you know getting a little older like me. So.
1: But the uh, the show itself, they built some place in London with a show that just will be going on for a long time, oh. and uh, they they are avatars in that. Oh, sweet! All right, all right. Back to the 630s. Yeah, PC. back
0: to the 630s. And before we get started, I I want to thank Caitlin. We haven't Caitlin hasn't been we haven't been working together that much lately, but she started this a long time ago. So I appreciate your help with this. This was great. It was a really good to um have that help thanks caitlin
1: we got a lot of stuff to cover and we'll be doing that in a series of episodes about 6 30s but before we do that i want to thank our patrons because it's because of you guys on patreon.com that we can continue yeah absolutely so thank you to leo Halin, lena martin olsson roland magnusson costa sturgio Johan streng matt mcgovern Another fan of history, Battle Swine, Eva Martinsson, our editor. Yeah, uh, Eric Watson, the Endless not podcast, Richard Hensley, Frank Hick, Brian Donohue. Donahue sorry, <laughs> Brian Donohue. Uh, Notice how I can pronounce the Swedish names, but not the English ones.
0: No, Donahue is right, because usually the way that's spelled, the other way it's spelled would be Donahue, but that looks like Donahue, like the you
1: said. I think that's right. Okay, I hope you're fine with the pronunciation, Brian. Thanks to Ulrika, Chris Cork, Sir Robert, Bernie Mopolsky. Who's, who's that? Who, who's that? <laughs> Denka, John Buda, and John Brink.
0: It's amazing. I, I love all you guys. Seriously, I, I, I almost want to like email you all and be like, hey, you actually like listen to us and you like us. Thank you. <laughs> I think we're pretty good, though.
1: Well, thank you all sponsors. We are very happy for your support. Uh, the 6.30s is a time of great change. And I know it's not the formal place where you split the archaic from the ancient times, but At least it's the start of the ancient times. So much happened here. Our story has been mainly about the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrian Empire will fade quickly from now on. And then the Greeks will shape the Western world forever. But we are going to leave two great people behind before we kill off Ashurbanipal, and that is Hesiod and Homer. So please give us some quotes.
0: All right, yeah. Let's do a couple of quotes for our last ones. There was some. Here's a here's a good one from Archilochus. I like. We don't rise to the level of our expectations; we fall to the level of our training. Hmm. So, in other words, I like that one. If you're not prepared, I, I had that experience myself recently. Recording a podcast, I wasn't prepared, and I have a very good experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have another one?
0: I do. I like this one, too. I had to read it 40 times, you know, but I figured it out. So it says, the fox knows many things. The hedgehog, one big one. Meaning the fox is really smart.
1: Also from Archilochus.
0: Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, also from Archilochus. Archilochus was a soldier, so a lot of his things are, you know, along those lines. So, yeah, you know, I mean, the fox has a lot of tricks with the hedgehog. Boom, he sticks up his, you know, that's his, big, his good trick. So sometimes being a one-trick pony, I guess, works. Clever guy. Yeah, Can do we, have we some do the Homer? Homer ones? Yeah, I'll do some Homer ones here, too. Of all creatures that breathe and move upon the earth, nothing is bred that is weaker than man.
1: That's negative, Homer.
0: Yeah. That's the thing about the Greeks, though, right? They always put two sides of every story in at these different in speeches and stuff. And uh, another one from him is, Hateful to me as the gates of Hades is that man who hides one thing in his heart and speaks another.
1: That's a very fancy way of saying that lying is bad.
0: Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, Yes, it is. Hey, you know what I just realized? Those Archilochus quotes, those are the first time we did Archilochus. So we still have more quotes here. We have Hesiod too, right? Yes. All right.
1: Let's see. What do we got? I bet he's complaining about something.
0: He's usually complaining about something. Somebody took his barn or something like that. Um, Or he's talking about the gods. Here's one. A man who works evil against another works it really against himself, and bad advice is worst for the one who devised it. So, better to just be a good person. Socrates was kind of along those lines. He's like, if you you do bad things, you, hurt, you try to hurt others, you hurt your own soul.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, one more. But he who neither thinks for himself nor learns from others is a failure as a man.
1: Well, that sounds like it's a very true statement.
0: Yeah, that... You know, a lot of these things are
1: what would they call them? Eternal truths. So thank you, Archilochus, Homer and Hesiod. But you thank are you. now out of the podcast. You're a <laughs> thing of the past. We're going into more modern times.
0: That's you know, I was so right what you said about this transition. I you always kinda of think of it like the five hundreds is that sort of that change into antiquity, but you really could see it now, the waning of Assyria and the in the upswing of the Greeks and these other con- other, you know, cultures. Can can I just, like, throw this? I found this one tablet. It's old. Maybe, like, in the beginning of these decades, we could just do a little housekeeping. This is, I just thought this was great. What is it? Indulge me. It's a tablet, because when I was doing some other research, I found this tablet, and it just, it's about from Assyria, and it's from the time of Sargon. I'll just read it quick, and I'll tell you what it's about. So it's from a governor to to the court, you know, and it says, some 50 men came to me to Nicker. From the men at my disposal, 135 have died. The caravan from kar arrived. I sent word. I had them, these Tablians, they were people that they had taken, you know, brought to me, had them occupy the houses of the deceased, and gave them oxen, sheep, and women. The king's bodyguard took advantage of their oxen, sheep, and women. But did they run away for lack of things? If they really had to run away for lack of things, they should have came to me. Why? Didn't they go, did they go to Mania? By the gods of the king, I did not know that they would run away. It's like, well, we captured these people, and then we took advantage of their oxen, their sheep, and their women. But, you know, they had stuff. I can't, I just can't understand why they, they, why they would run away. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think, though, that might, makes you think of, like, how this, you know, this was what was happening in those times where they, when they were taking people, and then these people were trying to, like, get away. Because I've found other little stories of that, you know, like a whole crew of people. They'd get together and say, let's hightail it out of here.
1: Let's run away. And (laughs) I I believe that would be wise if you could get away with it. Exactly.
0: So, so anyway, yeah, I just thought that was interesting.
1: So now I think we could
0: get into the 630s in earnest, right?
1: And I want to start with mentioning this beginning fall of the Neo-Syrian Empire because the empire is. At its peak, except that its control of Egypt is rather weak, but there is still an alliance with Egypt. Yeah. So we're standing at the high of the empire, but there is a steep fall ahead of us. Mm -hmm. But in 639, the Neo-Assyrian Empire is the largest empire the world has ever seen. And Nineveh, the capital, is probably the largest city On the planet. My source for this is uh, a book called 3000 Years of Urban Growth by Chandler and Fox in 2013 and 1974. So we have this enormous empire. Nineveh probably had 120,000 inhabitants, which is a huge city of the time. Yeah. And now we have this guy. We talked so much about him, but in order to set the stage here. I want to give you, I want to give you Ashurbanipal's title. So we remember how powerful this guy is. Okay. Brace yourself. This is how Ashurbanipal mentions himself. Anybody else who addresses him probably have to say this as well. It makes Daenerys Targaryen seem modest. I am Ashurbanipal, the mighty king, king of the universe. King of Assyria, king of the four regions of the world, king of kings, unrivaled prince, who from the upper to the lower sea holds sway and has brought in submission at his feet all rulers. I am the son of Esarhaddon, the great king, the mighty king, king of the universe, king of Assyria, Viceroy royal Babylon, king of Sumer and Akkad. I am the grandson of Sennacherib, the mighty king, king of the universe, king of Assyria, am I.
0: Huh? You know, he really is, though. He really took, They like, really he got it all. They really took the whole shebang by the time he was, you know, finished.
1: And now we'll watch the long and painful decline towards the incredible last stand in 612 BC. Yeah.
0: No, that just kind of gave me a visual of like, sort of like, you just, sort of like you if you carved out yourself a big spot around a bunch of zombies, but then they finally just come and get you anyway. You know, because they were fighting everybody in every corner for so long. You just, you know, you can only go for so long.
1: We must also remember they have treated everybody like garbage for so long. For 300 years, the Assyrian oppression has been everywhere.
0: Yeah. And especially the last hundred. I was just reading something, you know, the last hundred is like since Tiglath Pileser. Pileser, He, you know, really, they really expanded. And they were in, as we know from our intelligence episode, they were in everyone's business.
1: So it's 110 years of this super powerful Tiglath Pileser army.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think Ashurbanipal used a lot of it. (laughs) You know?
1: And this will be hard to follow. The as the fall of the Assyrian Empire is not as well documented as the rise of it. Because the Assyrians won't speak when things go bad. And in 636 BC, one of our best sources, Ashurbanipal himself, goes quiet. Yeah, I found this uh, rather funny thing about Ashurbanipal in 639 BC. You know, the uh, Assyrian king named the year after an important uh, official often. Yeah. And 639 is named after the chief musician, Bulutu, (laughs) uh, which is rare. And uh, Assyriologist Julian Reed says that this is the move of a, quote, irresponsible and self-indulgent king. End quote. I'd agree with that. That's a him or a her. I agree for sure. But now we won't speak about Assyria because you want to speak about fairy tales, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> You're so funny, but I we, so just a little how we do this. We write scripts, you know. We I write notes and stuff, and then Dan comes in sometimes. And I was at work yesterday, and I was looking at my thing, and I busted out laughing when Dan puts a comment on there. Like, we don't want to talk about this crazy stuff, but I am going to talk a little bit about Marcus um, Marcus. I'm sorry, his name is Ancus Marcius. He becomes king of Rome after an interregnum. I mean, there must have been somebody there, but, in, you know, like the Romans just sort of had these legendary kings that, um, they, you know, this. Parent, so a lot of the traditions would have, you know, they say this, this or that king started this tradition. So, Inc, uh, Ancus Marcius, he was the legendary fourth king of Rome.
1: Note legendary.
0: Legendary. So, if you remember, the one him I loved it, you know, it, it wasn't his father, but the previous king was uh, Tullus Hostilius, and so he was the warlike king. So, and then
1: you can kind of tell by his name.
0: I know. That's why I love it. Tullius Hostilius. It's Angry Joe. Like, uh, I know. Wasn't the guy in Star Wars named something crazy like that in like episode, you know, the newer old one? Anyway, his name was something like that. He was a warlike guy. He might be like a robot. Anyhow. Um,. So there was an interregnum. There's a lot of interregnums if you ever listen to the uh, history of Rome with Mike Duncan. There's always some interregnum. So here we had one of those. The Senate appointed appointed this guy, and um, so just a little bit about him. Right? We won't get into this whole thing, but he waged war against the Latins, and a number of them were were settled on the on the Aventine Hill. And according to Livy, the war was started because the Latins thought that. Um Ancus would be more peaceful, like like Numa Pompilius. So when they made an incursion into the Roman lands, they uh, sent a you know an embassy to say, "You know what's up? stop that business?" And they, all he says is that they gave them an arrogant answer. So the interesting part about this is that, according to the Romans, this is the first time that they declared war by the means of the rites of the fedials, which were a priesthood in Rome devoted to um, Jupiter. And do you know more about the fetials than I do? I only know a little bit about them.
1: Never heard of them.
0: Oh, yeah. So they were kind of like, they used them as the, amb- I did a little research. They used them as ambassadors, and every time they, w- then, so that was the first time they used them to start a war, but then they always used them to start a war later. They, they were like, they tra- they tra- They were like traveling her- heralds, um, ambassadors. They made formal declarations of peace and war, and they were, you know, priests of Jupiter. So that's it. If you want to know any more, Dan will, just email Dan, he'll give you the information.
1: Uh, remember that Numa Pompilius also married a a fairy in the forest. Did he? Yes, he married Ah. some sort of wood spirit creature. (laughs) Wow, Um, interesting. Yeah, they're all legendary.
0: (laughs) I guess that's what would make it legendary. I mean, you know, we do have a lot of legendary stories in this world still that people believe.
1: And the Romans try so hard to make themselves different from the Latins, but uh, they are just some latins yeah <laughs> i agree
0: so that's all we have about rome but like as we know rome is coming soon
1: and in 616 bc i will acknowledge that rome exists it has existed since uh, long before uh, long before they say it has existed because we know it was there in the 10th century bc from archaeology
0: a weird question like and maybe it's a fitting like what do you think maybe even the listeners think like so say the village of rome is a small village can you just like move there and build a house you know what i mean like today if i was to move into a town i would have to buy a house buy a piece of property that kind of thing i wonder like you know there's it seemed that there'd be so much Could if i cleared a piece of forest and just put a hut there that that'd be okay i just
1: always wonder that I don't think it's any accident that it becomes a real thing in 616 BC when it falls under Etruscan influence because the Etruscans are way ahead of the Latins, or yeah. which Romans are one tribe. Yes.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. All right. So you know a lot about it, and we're going to talk about it when it comes up. It's interesting, too, that it's the same decade that Assyria goes down and Rome starts, right? And that's really that's yes. kind of interesting when you think about it. A huge empire goes, another huge empire is born.
1: It will take a long time before the Romans are a huge empire.
0: Right, but they're born. Is this like also in 638, we have another birth. We have a birth of Solon, the lawmaker of Athens. That's about, they think, when he was born. And um, I don't know,
1: maybe he was a cute baby. This guy is credited with a lot of things, and we'll talk a lot about him when he starts uh, touring the world, telling people what to do and what not to do.
0: And we're going to talk about something in Athens in the 630s. So it's actually something that happens here. There's a straight line to Solon in his time. Anyway, you know what I want to talk about today. You're not going to believe it, right? China. I know. I found some good information on China because I, in my business, I make, um, do promotional products, and a lot of the things we do is uh, like apparel. So I have a good friend in China that does artwork for me. I send him files, and he turns them into be production-ready for embroidery and um, other kind of printings, two different kinds. So anyway, we've been friends for a long time, business friends. And um, I asked him if there was any information on some of this stuff because I can't find it, and he sent me some links Chinese to Chinese websites that they're in Chinese, but the magic of Google now, they translate. They're difficult. You know, it's not like... Word for word, it's a little confusing, but it's so much more information. The thing is, like at this time in China, this is the spring and autumn period. There's so many intrigues and stuff going on. It's it's not even it wouldn't even be, it would be boring. I think if we tried to co- cover it, you know, each individual war, each individual state, but these main ones, they're pretty cool and the stories are great. And and you know, they're probably somewhat legendary as we'll see, but they're really really cool. And and the, the other thing is, like, people in China know about this stuff. They all know, but when I said to Jack, "Do you have any information on this?" He's like, "Well, I have these I have a couple books, but they're in old Chinese, but here's some links. Like, they're they're well known." So, if any of my if any listeners are Chinese and listening to this, I hope I do a de- decent job with it because I feel like you guys probably know a lot of this stuff. Nobody's been calling and yelling at me, so
1: maybe this will be our big break on the Chinese podcast market.
0: Oh yeah, there we go. There you go. This is uh, this is like a Game of Thrones on steroids. This whole spring and autumn period, because there are so many states and there's so much stuff, and maybe just to like back up a little. And I know you covered it. I kind of understand it now. Um, you know the the emperor or the king. You know the um, of the the, the the Zhao. How do you pronounce it? The Zhou.
1: The Zhou, I think
0: right. So he's the emperor, but he's not really. He doesn't really have enough power. So they need all these dukes of these other places, but. They're really kind of like kings of their country, but because they're not in charge of the whole country, we call them dukes, right? Would you say? Yes. Right. So this is the uh, like I said, the spring and autumn period. So, so you remember Duke Wan of Qi? That's Qi, right? And I'm going to try to not use the, the um, names as much as if if I don't have to, just so I don't make it confusing. Okay. But, you know, try to describe him and her that kind of thing. So remember Duke Juan of Qi, right? He's he was the guy. He died. In 643.
1: And he was the hegemon. He
0: was the hegemon, right. And then he...
1: Which I find is kind of like the Shogun.
0: Yeah, I think so. Did you see Dune? Uh, no, I haven't yet. So I don't want to spoil it, but it sort of reminds you of that too, because there's an emperor. and it's, That's not like the Platypus, but there's emperor. I've there, read houses. Dune and
1: I've seen the older ones.
0: Oh, then, yeah. So then you got it. Right. So it's sort of like that. You know, the emperor. Then there's these houses that are in, like sort of in charge of things. And they're yes. they're fighting with each other. So it's all there's so much freaking intrigue, it's unbelievable. So so he Duke Juan died. He's the one who they found as the worms because he was starved to
1: death by the chief cook. <laughs> yes. I I'm sorry, When you I listen to the re-listen to the episodes. You, you can't say you can't say Dune and worms. <laughs> it's like,
0: what uh, yeah. Are there sandworms? No, no, not the big worms ate him, tiny worms ate him. Because remember his chief cook? And then I remember you said something like the eunuchs have gone wild. <laughs> so after the eunuchs went wild, the Duke won was he was the hegemon, he was dead. And then there was a huge um there was a success in battle, five brothers fighting over, weakened the whole state. So um
1: Maybe then it's time for the Duke of Song.
0: In six thirty seven BC, the Duke of Song dies. So he he became Duke in six fifty, so we kinda missed him. So the deal with him is if you remember Duke Wan of Qi Q I, he was the guy who's he had Guanzong as his um, advisor, all that. He died, he was found dead from he got starved to death by the chief cook, all that kind of stuff.
1: And he was the hegemon, right? The great He was of the of hegemon,
0: the right. So the Duke of Song got involved when he died <clears throat> when the hegemon died, the Duke of Song got involved in the succession. You know, wars. Right? Yes. So um, with his inf- with this influence on the rise so he he actually his army helped the crown prince become the the you know, the, the duke of qi but they really they weren't really a good hegemon anymore because they were so weakened so um with his influence on the rise the duke of song he thought he could become the next ha- uh, hegemon and chu at this time was becoming more powerful chu was a bigger southern state and um so he made war with chu but here's the f- interesting thing, right? So instead of giving the enemy a surprise attack, he let them cross, a larger army too, he let them cross the river in order to display his benevolence, which is known as Ren, as a Junzi, which is like a gentleman. So he wanted to say, oh, I'm a benevolent gentleman. Let them cross the river and we'll fight with honor.
1: That so, sounds stupid.
0: Yeah, real stupid. So he lost, got himself really injured bad and had no chance of becoming a you know, the hegemon, and he died the next year. And as, like you said how stupid it was, Mao, Mao Zedong said uh, about his humanity in war, we're not Duke Zhang of Song, and we have no use for his idiotic virtue and morality.
1: So now Xu is in a good position to become hegemons, and we need but a sh- new Duke of Song.
0: Yeah, we got a new Duke of Song. His, his, um, he, he died, when he died, his son was the Duke Chang of Song. Well, you know what's crazy? They change their names when they become duke, so that's been difficult. That's one of the reasons it gets confusing when you try to study this and talk about it, too. Because they could be, you know, they name this name, and then when they become the duke, they get a new name. And then sometimes they spell it different, so it could be crazy. But yeah, so we have a
1: new duke of song. So who who is the hegemon now in 637? Well,
0: that's the thing. There really isn't. So we're going to talk about who's going to become the hegemon. Um, that's going to be a big part of this of the 630s. and his name is going to be the Duke of Jin. Want to talk about him now?
1: I'm kind of rooting for the Duke of Song because that's the the coolest name.
0: I know, seriously. But let me tell you, the Duke uh, Duke Wen of Jin what a story! This is what when I asked my friend Jack about uh, my friend Jack in China about the Duke of uh, you know if he knows anything about Duke Wen of Jin, he's like oh you know lots about him. I have all these old books, but. You know, you won't be able to translate them. So he sent me some links and Google Translate them. And, you know, able to do some reading, looking in and sort of getting the hang of this. Um, it's a really cool story. So in China, there's there was a whole series on this guy. Um, beautiful people, you know, colorful movie, you know, shows like a movie, um, like a Netflix type of series. Okay. I watched the first episode a little bit. Did you get to watch any of that?
1: No, I haven't. <laughs> it's like...
0: It's all in Chinese, so you can't tell. But it's very colorful and good-looking people. The first episode, they're out like having this hunting trip. It's like a hunting contest. One they're on horses, and one guy is uh, shooting at like I don't know, hawks or something. And the other one is—I think this is the the duke. The f- becomes a duke. He's throwing like these little—I don't know—they look like condoms with a ba- with a rock inside them. He's throwing them at little mice, and he's hitting them. And he's catching. So they come back, and they one guy's got like six mice, and the other guy's got like six hawks on his spear. It's, I wish I could watch it. It seems like a cool show. It's like a Game of Thrones with all these intrigue and stuff. So it's a really cool story.
1: What was the name of the show?
0: I'll put the link in the show notes though, because I have a link to it.
1: Good. Okay, stay in China.
0: All right. So here's the deal, right? So this guy, so Duke Wen, right? Let's get his We're gonna get his. He's got. So he becomes Duke Wen after. He becomes the duke. So his name, he's born with the name Chonger. Chong, and then a apostrophe, er, which literally means double ears. Uh-huh. I don't think that means he has big ears. That's why I went into a whole thing. It basically means he was born with heavy ears and heavy pupils. The appearance is very different. Heavy has a double meaning. I mean, I think it means he could, he had vision, that kind of thing. And his mother... He was a con- His mother was a concubine, and she was a barbarian. So she was from more of the, uh, you know, the tribe. So he sort of comes from two worlds, which makes it, a- well, it makes it a great story for you know TV and stuff. And in China, they call him Jin Wengong. Wen so if you ever see Duke Wen of Jin, Jin Wengong, or Chonger, it's the same person. Chonger before he becomes Duke, and then Jin Wengong afterwards. So I, like I said, I'm not going to try to say too many names.
1: Let's let's just call him the Duke Wen of Jin. We could.
0: Uh, Chonger is is Chonger's not bad either. They call him Chonger a lot, so yeah, we'll call him, we'll call him Duke Wen of Jin or Chonger.
1: Or double ears.
0: Yeah, the double ears. He was a they say he's very no, they say I have this quote from the website. Jin Wen Gong was a young man, humble and studious, and good at meeting talented people. He um that's a big uh thing about him, they say that um he was very he. Put together a dream team, basically of advisors. And if you notice, like in Chinese, in this Chinese history, we talk a lot about the advisors. Remember, the other advisor was going to get pickled, and then he's like, "Don't pickle him because he's really good." So they they have a, they have a respect for advisors. You know, we don't. I don't feel like we hear as much about that in the Western tradition as we do in the Chinese. Would you agree? Hmm. Um, and so, actually, in Duke Wen of Jin, Wen means the cultured Duke of Jin. So first he was double eared, and then he was cultured duke of jinn but you don't get that name until you're dead oh, okay yeah so at, at birth it was said that his ribs were all grown together which is a sign of strength and leadership
1: <laughs> yeah. sounds terrible
0: yeah i know seriously like <laughs> oh I'm, I'm itchy i mean you know it'll be hard to move around yes so anyhow this so he had some half brothers of course from his father the current duke of jinn and I, I for i get the Impression, and I bet in the show, you know, the, the Duke, the current Duke of Jin, being you know Chonger's father, his wife was scheming and probably beautiful. So, when Chonger's actual mother died, his father made this woman his favorite concubine, his wife, and she schemed to get rid of all the rest of the Duke's sons, like a lion that eats the cubs. You know, evil stepmother to the extreme. Like Livia. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. So she forced the crown prince to kill himself. I'm not sure. Like, you know, I call him fat or something. Um, <laughs> 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 well, she, you know, was very, um, uh, anyway, she discredited him somehow in the eyes of his father and forced him to kill himself. And then the other uh, sons fled. So this is the big story, how, the, how he was, how Chongor was, uh, you know, in the exile for 19 years.
1: And remember so, now that Chonger is Duke Wen of Jin.
0: Correct. Chonger is Duke Wen of Jin. Main guy. Right. Angry. Double ears. <laughs> Double ears. <laughs> um
1: But is he, he running everything. away or is he staying around?
0: No, he ran away too. He's oh, the guy in the road. He's job. been on the road. He'll be on the road for 19 years now. Because this is before. So our um we're talking the 6.30. so this is everything up to you know, because we kind of missed it. But we don't say, hey, guess what? Chonger's on the road, you know. Now we know what happened after 19 years. So here we. So there is the they, they call this the Lee G and rest. So there was a you know another succession battle going on in one of these states in china and it was in this state you know of jin here so with a bunch of other capable men he he first fled north right and then his um his father eventually did die right so then there's the there's a you know more battles going on
1: yeah but the father is pretty much fighting his own sons here
0: that's exactly right he's fighting his own sons with the mom
1: oh that's one evil stepmother
0: Seriously. Seriously. I mean who's when you said is that was that Constantine's wife? What did, she wasn't too nice either, right?
1: There yeah, there are a lot of bad wives in yeah. history, but I, I was I was thinking about Livia and her um, uh project to get Tiberius on the throne of Rome right. after Augustus. There's
0: so many of them aren't there.
1: Anyway, so
0: the brother of course tried to kill you know, our friend Chonger here, his brother that was the new duke, tried to have him killed. Actually, Chonger, they asked him if he wanted to be the duke, and he said no. He wasn't ready for that yet. I guess, you know, it was probably too much chaos. So then they tried to have him killed. So he, he now he's on the road, right? So first he fled, or he spent some time with his with his mother's family, which would be the barbarians. So he got that training. I think that's the, the horse scene we see with them, you know, because they're definitely horse nomads. Everybody's smiling and happy and shooting hawks. So so then he's on the road. He goes to all these different places. And he's... Um, at one time, here's a little gem. At one point, he's in the state of Qi, right? Q-I? Yes. This is a little story here. So he says... There's a couple of names. I'm just going to use them. and just... They're not... You don't have to remember them. But, so one day, these two guys, uh, Zhao Shao and Hu Yan, and Hu Yan is Chonger's uncle, are discussing how to leave Qi under a mulberry tree. And... Uh, a concubine or a maid, one of these guys, of some other guy, right? Heard the secret, heard them talking. So he he told him, like, oh, those guys are going to, they want to leave. They want to leave the country. So he had her, he killed her. I mean, I don't know if he killed her with bare hands or whatever. They say he killed her, right? So if this was Game of Thrones, he chokes her in there. So he says, he told, so the guy who killed his maid told Chonger. he says, you better leave the country as soon as possible. People know you got to get out of here, right? And so Chonger says, I am born to seek comfort and enjoyment. Whatever other things I do, I will not go, and I will die in key. And so he said back to him, You are the prince of a country. You came here at nowhere to go. These followers of yours regard you as their life. You do not return home quickly to repay your hard-working couriers, but you are greedy for female sex. I am ashamed of you. Besides, if you don't pursue it now, when will
1: you succeed? So then... <laughs> so who is Ki-jung? Is that the Duke of ki
0: uh, it's one of his advisors, like one okay. of his, um, well, no, he's in key. He's not a duke, but he's a guy that's there,
1: right? Yes. Who is friendly towards, uh... Yeah,
0: he, apparently Duke Wen, Chonger, very popular, handsome guy, probably from the, you know, the movies they make him. They make him like he's just, he's just, everybody loves this guy,
1: right? So, um... But he, he seems reasonable. He just wants to hang around and drink and have sex and not go to war.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he says he has 80 horses. He doesn't want to drink. But, you know, he's told, nope, you got to do your duty, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So they they knew they got to get him out of there. So they got him drunk and they put him in. a. It says in the website, it's said a car, it's probably a chariot or something. They get him. They get him drunk. They put him in a car. And then when he wakes up, he's, fe- and he's out of the country. So he wakes up and um, he picks up a weapon. He's going to kill his uncle, one of the guys that grabbed him. And he says, the uncle says to him, if you kill me, I can make you. I would rather die. And then Changra says back to him, if things can't succeed, I will eat your meat. (laughs) And he says back to him, things can't succeed. My meat is fishy and embarrassing. How is it worth your food? (laughs) So he's, I know, it's great. My fishy, you won't want to eat me, he says to him. So he calmed down and moved on.
1: Okay, so they forced him to leave all the girls and the liquor. Yeah. He got angry, threatened to eat his uncle, (laughs) <laughs> and his uncle joked it away and he called it. Exactly. <laughs>
0: and then they all laughed it off ha ha and then they went on for the, the poor uh, you know maid was killed because she opened her mouth but everyone else turned out okay. So yeah there's this quote someone says uh, a a woman in a uh, a courtier in a in a court of one of the countries he was in said when i look at the followers of the prince of jin every one of them is fit to be a premier of state.
1: So so far, Duke Wen's only quality seems to be that he's very good at recruiting good followers.
0: Well, that's important, right? He recruits very good followers. He makes a lot of allies on his trip here, and he's. I guess the point is too that he's kind of like he's learning the ways of the nomads and stuff like that too. And he's not just a you know an Ashurbanipal type of king sitting in his place eating grapes or you know getting trained in the bit duty. You know, and just sort of being a Joffrey. He's he's out, you know, he's been going through hardships. And he's kinda old by the time he becomes eventually he does become the Duke. Okay. Yeah. After nineteen years, he eventually so one of the people he met was the Duke of Qin, right? Q U I N, Qin. Yeah. And and so after his brother dies in six thirty six B C he gives him a, gets an army, the Duke of Kin gives him an army and he takes they go into Jin and he becomes the Duke of Jin.
1: So he pretty much stumbled about for nineteen years with a lot of nice people, uh, made a lot of friends, and one of these friends installed him as the duke of Jin.
0: Yeah, something like that. Everybody kind of wanted him to be the next hegemon. Kind of, he was like, "There's a lot of political intrigue here." That's just you could tell. There's, I don't even know a tenth of it probably. and You could tell there's so much political intrigue here.
1: Everybody um, else loves this guy.
0: Absolutely, and there's more. There's going to be more to the story, and. And it involves Chu, and he actually spends time in Chu. So this is yeah. Everybody just sort of loves him. Now here, here's a really cool, interesting because this this even has ramifications to today. He had this one advisor. His I'm going to try it right. His name is J Zitou. Right. He was an he was older than him. He's an older guy, and he was you know one of his advisors. He was wandered with him for 19 years. So <laughs> I don't know what this is about human flesh in this guy, but during a period when they were hungry. It's said that his advisor, here, this guy we're talking about, cut off a piece of his thigh so that Chang'er could eat, so he wouldn't starve.
1: Okay, so now Duke Wen is a charming, alcoholic, womanizing cannibal, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's an alcoholic, but he does like his drink, and he was made drunk one day. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, and he's a horse, and he, yes, he likes riding horses, women, and drinking, and... He'll eat a piece of thigh. He doesn't think against it, and yeah, he actually he wanted to eat his his uncle. So maybe he was going to eat. Maybe he decided to eat the uncle after he ate the thigh of this guy because, you know, he had a taste of it.
1: Oh no, he got a taste for human flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: not bad. Tastes like chicken. So <laughs> Changer needed food. So when um, he finally became the Duke of Jin, he forgot about the guy whose thigh he ate. He's like, either he passed over him, maybe his intrigue, or maybe he just forgot. The story is sort of vague. It's discussed in scholarly journals, I'm sure. I even have a little bit on Confucius has to say about that later. But anyway, he, this guy went to the forest of Jin uh, with his ma- mother, because um, his mother was sick, and he was doing his his duty as a good son, and he was, he was mad that he was, you know, passed over, and he just went to the woods. And then when... The Duke of Jin, du- or Wen, our Chonger, our friend here, he fell bad, so he wanted to get him to come out, but he wouldn't come out. He was kind of embarrassed. He was stubborn. He's a cranky old man. He's taking care of his mother. I'm not coming out. So the Duke lit a fire on three sides of where he lived, and the fire didn't go so well and burned up the guy and his mother.
1: <laughs> this guy seems terrible. So Duke is like, hey, wait, I remember that guy who gave me his tie. I should promote him or something. Where is he? He's hiding in the woods. But tell him to come out. He won't come out.
0: Burn down the woods. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. See, this is why we do this, right? I say my stuff, and then Dan boils it down for you. But that's (laughs) that's exactly what happened, and then he killed him, and he burned down. So the thing is, to this day... There's, there's, uh, the well, the festival of the, the Tomb Sweeping Festival, it, That's uh, comes from what's known as the cold, originally was the Cold Food Festival. So to honor this event, right, and this man who, who was served his, mat, you know, he served the Duke well, he served his mother well, he did all these things. They have a cold food, they call it the Cold Food Festival, where people don't eat. Oh, uh, you don't cook your food. You have to only eat cold food, and it was done through the centuries, and uh, actually, people would starve because they would not cook enough food, I guess. So they had to sort of make it illegal. And it's become, it's a, it's a when you honor your ancestors on the tomb sweeping festival is in honor of this event of him getting burned in the woods in 630s BC. And you go and you sweep your ancestors' tombs. And I don't know what you do in Sweden and other places. In America, we have Memorial Day. And that's kind of for military and stuff too, but. People do go to the certain times. I know like my grandmother and mother used to go to the like the graves and put flowers on and clean them. So it's sort of a, it, you know, it's a common human type of thing. So the Tomb Sweeping Festival t- goes today in China still. And other countries too, like Vietnam, you know, um, Korea. People that live in the United States from around, they're from China. They celebrate the Tomb Sweeping Festival from this event.
1: We do pretty much have uh, All Hallows Eve like you do.
0: Ah, I see. But, we don't uh, go to the graves on Halloween. Like we go to like we have Memorial Day. It's like memor- memorialize your ancestors type of thing.
1: Okay. I think this is a good way to teach fire awareness as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't I mean, light on yeah. fire. You could burn down the wood. Yeah, like smoke. You know,
0: Smokey Bear. You ever heard yes. of Smokey the Bear? Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. They should do that. So, here's a last little, little part on it. So. Confu and Confucius writes about this stuff, and he he says that maybe he was burned on purpose because remember remember when the um, the guy was going to get pickled instead of getting pickled, he said no no take him we need him sort of at a similar thing is sort of like saying like well if he's not going to come out I'm not going to let anyone else have him for an advisor so he burned him down that's Confucius's view on the story
1: yeah. I think better of uh, Confucius than I think of Duke Wen at this point.
0: But <laughs> well, Duke, be careful now. You might get hate mail. Duke Wen is very—he's—he's he's almost like a George Washington type of thing Because nah, you can't have a George Washington. And there's too many people
1: in China. But I apologize, to all our Chinese listeners. Yeah. Please send us a good yeah. Duke Wen stories. We can yes. tell on the podcast. Yes, please. Where he doesn't eat people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does. He only eats the thigh. <laughs> As
1: far as we know.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's true. We did grow up with those barbarians. We're not sure what they did out there. So there's more on China, but if I was thinking maybe we'll end this episode and come back. All right. And we talk about some stuff in Greece and then come back to China. You think? Yes.
1: I have a few talking points for the 630s.
0: All right. Good. All right. Well, thanks to everybody. Make sure you check out our Patreon and, uh, Stay tuned for the next episode coming
1: soon. Thank you all. And thank you, Bernie. Yes. And uh, no thanks to Duke Wen of Jin.
0: I'm a big fan. If if I I didn't get it, I mean, as I say it now, I'm like, yeah, but I'm a big, I'm definitely a big fan of the story anyway. More to come. See you next time. Bye bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.